0: If you're going on a journey, uh, what are you going to take with you? So if you're an infant school teacher, you always have a magic bag and you sort of dip in and something exciting happens. So let's see what I pull out first. Oh, very unusual. You wouldn't have guessed that, would you? A gator. You might have that if it was very bad weather. You would almost definitely have your candle mint cake, of course. You might have, I hope you would have. Oh, not your car keys, you wouldn't need those. Um, You might well have, you should have, a boot, or preferably two. And you will definitely want your map, and your map case, and your compass, which lots of people take with them, but don't actually know how to use. Um, So (laughs) hopefully you will also know how to use it. Walking is just great. Every year, uh, Ollie and I go off on a big walk together. We have a nice weekend in the lakes, and we sort of talk about everything. We talk about things you wouldn't normally talk about to your son, uh, your father, perhaps. He actually told me what the names were... Oh, it's Philippa in here. Um, No, she's not. He actually told me the names that they were going to choose for their child, and no one tells you names what you're gonna have for they're expecting a baby in about three weeks' time. He told me the names last time. Actually, I've forgotten them, so but I was very felt very honored that he'd told me. And we listen to each other. And we walk 90% of the time together and about 10% apart when he sort of gets a bit fitter than I am and he gets ahead, or he gets a bit dawdry, and I walk ahead. We make decisions together, faced with a horrific slope like that, a real edge, sharp edge, like just if you know it, it's actually as sharp as that, and there's a lovely winding path going up to the top of Blencathra. Which one shall we go on? Shall we go on the nice, easy one, or shall we go on the one that about five people a year fall off and... Don't really make it. Well, as Ollie says, there's no choice, so we, cramped, we went along the very sharp one. It was very scary. Anyway, we had exhilaration at the summit and celebrations at the end. Today, we're going to look at a very significant journey, story of a journey. You've just seen it. Um, and as I said, this is the third in our series of paraclesis, loving, caring, and our journey. Life is often seen as a journey, and I suppose it's because it's a timeline. Our our, our life is a timeline, and a journey is a line on a map, so we seem to think about those two things together. Perhaps you've been on some self-discovery course where you've actually drawn a map of your life so far, or, you know, that's something you might have done, your personal timeline. Now, there are three parts to this particular talk and three main points I want to make. First is, think about us just travelling through life, us travelling through life. Next, thinking about connecting with other people and with their story, connecting with other people and their story. And thirdly, thinking about what is the bigger picture anyway about all this talk about travelling? So let's start off by talking about traveling through life. Jesus was a great traveler. I don't know about other sort of great sort of world re- leaders uh, but, and, and religious leaders, but Jesus spent his whole time, if you would consider the, the Gospels, moving about, as far as I know, only once did he travel on anything other than uh, his own feet. So he went to Jerusalem and Jericho and Capernaum and even right as far up north into Syria, into Beersheba. So everywhere he went, he brought light and joy and especially hope. And so as we think about our journey, we have a challenge. And the challenge of our journey is to bring hope and Jesus to people we meet on the way, as well as accepting hope from them and to show them that they are not alone and that we are with them, but more importantly than that, that Jesus can be there for them too. So the challenge, that's sort of our challenge of the journey. But I want to take that further and talk about the big gift we have for the journey. And this is the key verse in this course, which I hope you're sort of getting to know by now, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter one and verse four. "He comforts comforts," sorry I can't say that he comforts us in all our trouble, so that we then comfort people in every kind of trouble through the comfort with which God comforts us." I'll read that again. He comforts us in all our trouble so that we can then comfort people in every kind of trouble through the comfort with which God comforts us. So it's a sort of like a cascade. It's God comforting us, us passing that comfort on to other people in need. And so let's think, that's the gift of the journey. Gift is that God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And the process of the journey, um, from from our walk through life, and including and maybe especially the hard bits, this is true in our sort of uh, own physical walking, isn't it? It's those hard bits, really, that make the difference to our fitness and our vitality and to our life. You know, you feel great when you've got up that stretch that just looked as though it was almost vertical um, or sort of faced by uh, a a sort of huge... uh, I mean, walking up in the Lake District is great, but walking up Kilimanjaro was a whole different thing, and you'd face this sort of like two miles, it looked like, at that level, uh, going up at that angle. And, you know, it's certainly... uh, ...improved your fitness or pretty much finished you off... ...whichever way it took you. But it does improve your fitness, life and vitality... ...but it also does that spiritually to us. And it also helps us to bring healing to others. Now, paraklesis uh, or klesis... uh, ...can be translated in quite a lot of different ways. Um, uh, I have been using the word comfort there... ...from the version of the Bible I'm reading... It can also be translated as consolation. Um, and it's funny, words are strange, aren't they? It's funny that some words only use the sort of negative part. So we don't say, I feel very consolate today. I don't, expect, and I don't know if anyone's ever said that. But we do say, I feel disconsolate. And so disconsolate is a, a useful word to, as well, and... I just sort of started looking up, if I can tune in here, uh, what the meaning of the word disconsolate is, because we want to help people uh, who are disconsolate. And just listen to how sort of Wikipedia translates disconsolate. Very unhappy and unable to be comforted, she left Fritz looking disconsolate, Synonyms: Sad, unhappy, doleful, woebegone, dejected, downcast, downhearted, despondent, dispirited, crestfallen, cast down, depressed, fed up, disappointed, disheartened, discouraged, demoralized, desolate, heartbroken. Then there's a little word that says more. So let's have some more, if you haven't got enough. Broken hearted, inconsolable, heavy hearted, low spirited, forlorn, in the doldrums, melancholy, miserable, once more, long faced, wretched, glum, gloomy, dismal. Informal now. Blue, choked, down the, down the mouth, down the dumps. Very informal. Brassed off, cheesed off, something else off. As sick as a parrot, looking as if you had lost a pound and found a penny. Literary, dolorous, archaic, chap-fallen and heartsick, heart-sore. And then, rather strangely, at the end, it says, Giles was looking increasingly disconsolate. So, poor old Giles and Fritz, I say. But... This whole idea of disconsolateness, um, meaning those things, is what we are bringing to people and taking away that and replacing it with consolation and bringing peace and calm and easing suffering and soothing hurt and finding rest and giving hope. What an amazing gift that. God has given us to give to others on life's walk. So, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, of every so many stories, is Jesus on the Emmaus walk, on the road to Emmaus. And it's a great story of coming alongside. We used to, as children in our home, have those verses... um, Uh, on the wall we didn't sort of you know not God sees you or those scary things it just said did not our hearts burn within us as he walked with us on the way and it got lost when my parents moved to uh, uh, their flats later on and they got someone else to paint that verse for them because they liked it so much so it's a verse that I've been brought up with all through my life so what did Jesus do when he came alongside Cleopas and his partner? Well, he got them to tell their story and their backstory. It was a living memory and a present reality. If we are confused, sometimes uh, if we are confused and worry about something and we sort of play it over, And over and over again in our heads sometimes, and you just sort of feel that you're in sort of brain lock and you can't get that out of your mind. And that turns into self-talk, if you like. You're talking, not talking physically to yourself, but you're explaining to yourself. And Jesus comes along and says to them, You're looking very gloomy and down. What's what's it all about? And they start to express. And expressing it is the beginning of that consoling process. Peace and calm and easing of the load and soothing and rest and hope. So Jesus connects with them and consoles them. He draws near to them, listens. I wonder how you are on conversations I was reading a psychological book once and it said that one of the most stressful times is coffee time after church right because there are so many stresses in that um, they said it's much harder than the cocktail party where in the cocktail party you know you can be light-hearted it's designed to be light-hearted you know you can flit But in the coffee after church, you feel you've got to have a valid and real conversation. And how do you finish it off and move on to the next one? What about if you want to talk to someone? How near do you hover so they know that you want to speak to them but you're not interrupting? There are so many things that go wrong. And I think, ladies... I don't like to make gender uh, comparisons. I don't know why I'm doing it, really. But I think ladies do it a lot better than men, it seems to me, because uh, I know that poor John and Ian and sometimes I sort of are left at the end sort of sitting, not even talking to each other, but having good fellowship of being near each other because they've run out of things to say. And, you know, but the wives are still going strong. Is that true, Virginia? Yes, you know it is. Now, um, so... You know, it's hard and it's great coming alongside people. You know, um, and sometimes when we come alongside people, you have people who come alongside you and they hijack your conversation or sabotage it. Um, but just being there and listening is 50% of uh, getting God into that situation, just to listen brings God into the situation. And Jesus didn't just do that. He didn't just jump in, but he actually built rapport. Um, He doesn't jump in, but he comes bringing peace and conservation. So see how Jesus constructs the conversation. Um, Trevor Partridge, who wrote this course, um, he uses a couple of strange uh, phrases now, and uh, I just, I'll use them because they're in your books, but they wouldn't necessarily be ones I'd use. Um, he, he says that Jesus, first of all, uses what he calls a door opener. He says, you're obviously having an important conversation. What's it all about? And actually, that's a fantastic question because it's an open-ended question that needs much more than a yes or no answer. And Jesus knows the answer to that. He knows what they want, but he needs to let them express it and talk it out. The the most beautiful word that has come into our common parlance uh, and sort of wasn't there 50 years ago, I mean, it was there, but we didn't use it very much, um, but is now used a lot, is the word empathy. And that's a very beautiful word because it means putting yourself in the place of another person and thinking as they feel. You know that expression, I can't understand you till I've walked a mile in your shoes. Um, so Jesus is not just uh, listening, but he'll be reading their body language and other nonverbal cues. And he identifies and reflects it back. And that's a great way of listening, just so you're sure. That what that person is saying is what they're really saying, and that's what empathetic listening is all about. So he lets them tell their story. And although Jesus has the answers at first, he lets them tell their story, and then the proce- as, as part of the process of walking alongside. And then the story takes a, a, a very different turn. And Jesus has listened, He's showed empathy. He's given them a chance to reflect on how they're feeling and what's got them to this point. And now he starts to speak to them. And you've got this sort of amazing verse. Um, So he began with Moses and with all the prophets and explained to them the things about himself throughout the whole Bible. And I guess if you think about it, that's the bit of the Bible that's missing that we would most like to have had in the Bible. I just thought of that at this moment, but it's sort of you know, if we had got Jesus Bible study on the whole of the Old Testament as Cleopas and his partner had, you know, wouldn't that just be amazing? It must have been the greatest Bible study ever given. Um, and so he started to tell them about the bigger story. So Jesus has walked and now he talks in giving the greatest Bible study of all time. Now, there was a man called Professor David Ausberger who I haven't managed to find very much out about except that he was professor of pastoral care which suggests to me that he was probably American. Um, and this, he He coined a phrase in about 1980, and the phrase that he coined was care fronting. Now, to me, that sort of of rang not very nice bells. I didn't sort of like that expression very much, so I thought I'd look into it a bit more. So I went onto a website called livingfree.org, and let me just read you what it says here about what care fronting is. Because I think if you just sort of have it presented to you without knowing the context, it sounds like a bit of a sort of modern duo word that doesn't make a lot of sense. It says this on this website. We are most useful as care fronters when we are not so much trying to change other people as we're trying to help them see themselves more accurately. Care fronting works like showing people their reflections in a mirror or having them watch a videotape of themselves. They get a perspective of themselves that they cannot achieve any other way. Carefronting is not trying to motivate people to change by condemning them. Sometimes we are tempted to try to get people to change by making them feel guilty. Instead, we should firmly but lovingly communicate how their actions are affecting us, and then leave the results to God. This way, the change will be sincere, not the result of of manipulation, uh, and that, you might like to have a look at that website. It's a very interesting website called LivingFree.org. Um, so, uh, sorry, just moving on. So, care fronting is all about showing care and concern without trying to change the person, but helping them to see themselves and their circumstances more accurately. So by carefronting Jesus in this sort of unusual role that he's playing of not revealing himself he listened and he knew how they felt If we feel understood we will listen The next thing he did was he helped them face reality didn't just let them Uh, suffer and stay set in their gloomy place where they were, he actually uh, helped them see that reality was going to be very different. And he's focused on perspective and hope. So what he did was, and it's really interesting, he took their inner talk, their view on what had happened, and related it to scripture. And that's really the great way that we can do this. We can do this by listening, finding people's inner conflict and their view of reality, and relating that to the objective truth of Scripture. So take their view of reality and then relate it on to that objective truth of reality. So let's just finish off by looking a little bit more at the actual story. To help, um, to help the disciples see the bigger picture, Jesus, first of all, brings grace and truth to the situation. Verse, uh, second half of verse 25. Don't you see, this is what had to happen. The Messiah had to suffer and then come into his glory. So he's bringing grace and truth into that situation. The next thing Jesus does, another thing, well, the next thing Jesus does actually is give them that Bible study, and then he ministers to their needs. They drew near to the village where they were heading. Jesus gave the impression that he was going further, but they urged him strongly not to. Stay with us, they said. It's nearly evening; the day is almost gone. And he went in to stay with them. As he was sitting at table with them, he took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to them. So he was ministering to their needs and, and sharing with them as well. And then the next thing Jesus did was bringing enlightenment. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they had enlightened them, Enlighten, he enlightened them. And the next thing that was the result of that was that they were well and truly energized. They got up there and then and went back to Jerusalem. That was, you know, another uh, seven miles back. They found the eleven and the people with them gathered there together. So they were energized. So here is the Jesus model: we receive grace and truth, and Jesus in. Uh, Jesus calls us to impart those to others. So I don't know if you're sort of planning any big walks. I'm planning two big walks at the moment, and I sort of think about them every day because I'm so excited about them. And uh, i just sort of uh, really looking forward to those. But the walks we need to be looking forward to are our interactions with other people. I think a great prayer to pray each day is just to ask God to bless each one of your interactions with the people you meet so that you can be the sort of people who come alongside you. And this morning I challenge all of us to plan to travel alongside others and help them to discover the joy and peace and grace that only Jesus can bring.